welcome to Cancer Conversations. I'm your host, Erica Matthews. I am a wife, mom, and wellness coach. I understand the trauma of getting a cancer diagnosis and the intense battle a person instantly steps into. This podcast is all about learning how to overcome adversity and how activating faith plays a key role in the outcomes we want to have. Each week, I will be bringing you education and inspiration, as well as interviews with other fellow warriors. Get ready to be empowered in your faith, mindset, and your health. Now, let's get into today's episode. All right. I am so excited about another episode on the Cancer Conversations podcast, and you guys are going to love my guest. So Doug Hoffman is my guest this week, and Doug, I'm just going to have you introduce yourself because I believe that a lot of people that I'm connected to or who listen in on the show, I don't think they know about your brilliance, and that's that's what this whole episode is going to be about is everything that you're going to share. So Doug, Thank welcome you, to Cancer Conversations. Listen, what an honor. Uh, first of all, as I told you earlier, I am living proof that God uses wretches to get his work done. So as far as brilliance, I think everything's due north. It's not me. God plucked this little surfer out of Southern California uh, 50 years, 53 years ago. I became a medical corpsman. We're trained, you know, much like nurses for a few years. Then we got a, a 45 gun and a medical pack on our back and off to Vietnam we go. Each Navy corpsman is assigned a whole bunch of Marines and were their medical care out in the field. Erica, what a year. What a year. Amazing year. But I came back uh, 1971, a totally different guy than I left. I worked with Dr. Everett Hughes at USC Medical School. He was on the ninth floor of the tower. And if I got on the elevator, this is after I got back from Vietnam with anyone else, my heart would beat out of its chamber. I'd start sweating like I was going to pass out. I had horrible stomach problems. I had lost hair in the back, skin. I had jungle rot on my skin. I had all sorts of health problems, and I couldn't figure it out. And one day, maybe a year into getting back, Dr. Hughes said, it sounds like you might have a parasite. Did you eat raw fish? I said, yeah, a couple of times. They called it nook mom. It was raw fish with rice. And he said, you got a parasite. The days of, hey, Siri, tell me about parasites. You know, 1970 wasn't here. I got a library card. I went to the library. I got an old 1953 parasitology book. And this is the way God has worked the past 50 years. It fell open to a chapter on yeast and mold parasitizing man. Well, my arms and my legs were filled with yeast. They're, they're called mycobacterium, mold and yeast on my skin. And I wondered if somehow all of that jungle rot didn't become systemic in me. So I read further. And it said, in order to starve fungi, you can't give them what they eat, carbohydrates, sugar, grains, et cetera. Beer, which I loved back then. You know, I had a chip on my shoulder. I'm going to drink beer because I've got a lot of post-traumatic stress to work off. Mm. Don't really remember my 20s very well, but ah, the 30s. <laughs> and uh, my diet was horrible. I realized that when I followed the proper diet, I worked in medicine. So Monday through Friday, I couldn't, you know, go out with my friends and drink. And by Friday morning, I felt great. 
by Saturday night, my skin, my brain, my hair problems, my tummy problems, everything was amplified and worse, and my paranoia problems. So week after week, I would go through this, and then I realized I was inducing my own problems. So I went off alcohol, I went off grains, felt like a million bucks. That is the basis today, half a century later, of my Kaufman 1, Kaufman 2 diet, which says if you have a fungal problem, not a bacterial or a viral, if you have a fungal problem, it's a two-step program. Antibiotics cure bacterial problems. Antifungals, I don't believe, cure fungal problems if they're very deep. Mm. You need two steps. One is to starve them, and two is to kill them or render them harmless. And so that became the basis of my book. Uh, you know, 25 years ago, I guess I wrote my first book, The Fungus Link. A couple of doctors and I sat down, took all this clinical work. You're kidding me. Migraines, weight gain, cancer. These things are intimately linked with fungi. So we referenced them from the scientific literature and they're flying off the shelf 25 years later. Mm. What a blessing this wow. career has been. So it's it's called fungi, not Fungi. Yeah, I've always pronounced it fungus, fungi, but it's. I have a license plate, uh, Texas license plate. It's right over there on my other set that says one fungi. And oh. when I used to stop to get gas, people would say to me, are, are you a mushroom specialist? You know? So I took that one fungi off, but fungi or plural for fungus, one fungus, many fungi. Wow. Well, being to the cancer, uh, connected to the cancer world, I'm you know, as I dove into some of your, you know, teachings and research, it's like, there's such a cancer connection with fungus or mm-hmm. I'm just going to call it fungus. Okay, fungi. <laughs> <call> it fungus. <laughs> uh, anyways, but I, so let's, let's talk about that. I would love to talk about food, uh, foods that actually have besides obvi- the obvious, like, you know, bread and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I was listening uh, to some episode somewhere you were talking about fungi and and mold being in peanuts Mm. isn't that strange that a perfectly good food like peanuts and now we're finding pistachios and brazil nuts and sometimes anything that has a shell that can be permeated that can break like a peanut shell uh, that allows moisture and access to these fungi pathogenic mean disease causing fungi now understand that of the you know, 80,000 species we have now categorized, only 300 are pathogenic. Mm. But it's those 300 that become poisonous because they off-gas a poison called a myco, means fungus, toxin, a mycotoxin. Science has now discovered that six or seven mycotoxins are either probable, possible, or known human carcinogens. So to say that fungus does not cause cancer is wrong. That's mm-hmm. not the truth. Uh, some of these that we say are possible carcinogens actually induce cancer in animals, but they haven't tested it yet on humans for mm-hmm. humane reasons, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's well known that these 300 species, one of them is candida, aspergillus, penicillium, fusarium, very, very common molds that through our ducting system or in antibiotics, or uh, peanuts are sometimes impregnated with these mycotoxins. Corn is even more commonly impregnated with them than peanuts. Real sweet, and fungi love sweet. So once they get their little tentacles in a piece of corn or an ear of corn, they'll rapidly reproduce and gobble that up. 
should you, like they do south of Sahara region in Africa, make that a main staple food, it's no wonder we see all the uh, viral and fungal diseases and early premature liver deaths, uh, liver cancer deaths in Africa. Peanut and corn are two of their staples. So we have other choices here. Uh, and we need to know that, especially if we're dealing with cancer. Cancer, here we are, Richard Nixon, when I got back in Vietnam, said, I'm going to war with cancer 50 years ago. I'm going to pledge a billion dollars. We're going to beat this 10-headed, ugly person thing, whatever cancer is. Here we are today, 50 billion less. I think we're not serious in looking for its etiology, its cause. Exactly. We're serious in finding a new drug. Just mm -hmm. so everybody knows, I think we've learned the past few years what science revolves around. Right. It isn't knowing why your children has inner ear infections. It's treating it. Mm -hmm. So cancer, unfortunately, is very much like that. I completely agree. Wow. I've heard that you, well, like if somebody were to get a, like a PET scan and the scan lit up that it might not actually be cancer, but it could mm. be, you know, mold or fungi. Have you ever heard of anything like that? Yeah, I pulled this out. So I've lectured, I've been blessed to ask uh, to speak at continuing medical education courses. Rarely does a non-MD get to do that. Well, you might understand that before they'd ever let me do it because the doctors were fascinated with fungus and cancer. Each one of my graphics had to include a reference and they had to check the reference, you know. Mm. So I gave these lectures and it took me months to prepare them. But here's one of them. This is referenced 10 years ago from the journal Lung, issue 191. A case series was presented of 27 patients initially diagnosed both clinically and radiologically with either primary or secondary lung cancer. These later proved to be fungal infections, and all 27 patients responded well to antifungal therapy. Mm. Wow. Their biopsy said lung cancer. Does lung cancer and fungus look identical? I don't know the answer to that. But you begin reading these reports that over and over, people are being misdiagnosed every day with what we call an aspergilloma, a ball of fungus, aspergillus fungus, in the left or right lung that upon radiologic studies mimics cancer perfectly. And now we know that maybe the biopsy says cancer also. So I was well, I was so nervous when I began clinical work 50 years ago in telling doctors, look, so they've got a tumor growing up in their sinuses. Could I ask if we could grind up nystatin down at the pharmacy? It's a 10 cent drug. Grind it up, put it in some normal saline and squirt it into the sinuses. And Erica, when the doctors let me do this, uh, experimentally, is that cancer or is that an aspergilloma in the lung? Well, the doctor never said anything like that. They don't learn this in medical training. Yeah. You would think just based on this one paper out of a major journal that every lung patient would have to rule out fungus first, or you'd have to ask that patient upon your presenting uh, visit, did you grow up in a basement? Were you exposed to a lot of mold? Has your roof ever leaked? Have you been on lots of antibiotics? Did you consume alcohol at some time in your life more than you? all of these? Did you eat corn? Do you love peanuts? Peanuts and beer together? No way. Two of them are worse than one and one makes two. It's like one and one makes 40. 
So you take a history on these people. Uh, do you also have chronic sinusitis? When you get out of the shower, do you itch, with, scratch with your towel because your skin itches so much? Heat and water tend to have fungi surface. We began asking a group of these cancer patients these questions. And Erica, you know, subtly, you know, two of them, then six of them, then eight of them uh, began raising their hands. Do you crave sugar? Fungus is going to win this war. If you have cancer and you find that you've hidden in your sock drawer candy bars or in your glove box in your car, you know, any candy, you may have a fungal problem. This is really good. You're doing this. Mm. Fungus wins the battle. And the battle is how to keep sugar away from it or starve it. Again, part of this, if I had cancer, I would begin taking a drug called Sporinox. Eight years ago now, the FDA cleared it for use with cancer patients. Mm -hmm. But guess what it was nine years ago? It was a toenail fungus drug. All it does is kill fungus. And why the researchers that repurposed it for cancer, breast, prostate, uterine cancer, why they didn't say, wait a minute, are these cancers actually fungus? No, no, no. It can never be that easy in medicine. Right. It's got to be technical. It seems to inhibit the hedgehog pathway or block some path which cancer flows. Ah, it kills fungus. Wow. And that's why these patients get better. Wow. Isn't this just miraculous? It really is. So is there like, does a doctor have to prescribe the Spornox? Yes. As a matter of fact, I do a live show every Monday and Tuesday on Facebook and my own launch pad and so forth. Today, we're going to discuss that. I opened today's show. And by the way, you know, we're talking to you sometime in August of 23. I opened today's show with the doctor says, I won't prescribe antifungals. What now? If I had a serious disease, a late stage disease, if I had Alzheimer's, if I had diabetes, if I had cancer, I really sit down, maybe a moat in front of my doctor, and I put together on my website, I have a two-page printout with all the science that you can take to your doctor and say, I want to try antifungals. If the doctor says no, did you know that things like oregano, and USP, uh, pharmaceutical-grade cinnamon, and caprylic acid have powerful antifungal properties. You combine those with a restrictive diet, uh, much like a carnivore or, you know, my diet, as you know, allows a few more carbs. That's why I invented it. And it's really powerful. Within a month, people start feeling better. If the etiology of their health problem is fungus. They start feeling better. They're starving it. And they're doing a medium job of killing fungus with some of these supplements. Mm. So I have a friend who got uh, toenail fungus in the Navy and mm. has been dealing with it for 27 years. And what do they do? The conventional, they just give him med meds after, you know, so he's been mm -hmm. on the same meds and they it doesn't really work. Um, it kind of, you know, mm -hmm. keeps everything just kind of toned down. But I mean, what would you say that if he, if he was working with you, what would you say mm. would help him? Gosh, there's so many things now. In the old days, I used to say Vicks VapoRub, but put it on a Band-Aid and then tape it on the toenail. And it really worked. The camphor oils are potently antifungal. Oregano, some of these other very powerful uh, essential oils you can try. The important thing is, Erica, that we understand the reason there's more than one antibiotic on the market is because bacteria resist 
certain antibiotics. So mm. we chase it with another antibiotic and another. We've got to rotate these antifungals. So mm. oregano on the toes, you know, one night, then Vicks VapoRub, then uh, tea tree oil. And, you know, they're various and sundry antifungals. Uh, you do that for a week rotation each. But also understand this. Sporinox and Lamisil, the two drugs that are normally given for onychomycosis, which is nail fungus. I worked in dermatology for five years and I saw so much of this. I got to tell you, I think they're a nail problem, but I think they're deeper. Mm. I think if you clear up the gut link to fungal growth, often the nail fungus will absolve or resolve by itself. And so oh. these are the people that need to intermittently fast, eat more good fats, proteins, veggies, et cetera, and uh, stay away from anything that's feeding fungus. But there, you really, these patients fascinated me because when the doctors referred them to me, you'd ask the right questions. Do you just smoke? There's so many molds in cigarettes. It's it's not the tobacco. It never was. Wow. Smoking tobacco does not cause lung cancer. Smoking cigarettes, where we dip the uh, leaves of tobacco into sugar and enable it to ferment, and then suck that into our lungs, I think mm -hmm. it's the mold that causes wow. lung cancer. So you have to ask these patients, do you drink alcohol? He's a guy, he probably enjoys a beer like anybody else, so he's exposed to a lot of mold through beer. Rarely is fungus, even ringworm, rarely is fungus just one place on your body. And I think the toe, the nails, keratin, the hair and the nails, uh, are places it goes to escape, tries to get out through the skin. Um, but if it's really, you know, marring his skin that much, it'd be good to look at for 90 days, a good cleansing program, detox, sweating, sauna, you know, that kind of thing. Love it. That's so good. But I bet he doesn't have cancer because if he's been on antifungals for so long, it's almost a given he wouldn't have cancer. Oh yeah. He hasn't. And he'll take a break and he'll inject his toenail bed with hydrogen peroxide and, and it, it'll go to his nails and then, and yep. he'll see a little bit of relief, but then yeah, exactly. You need to rotate them because even H2O2, even hydrogen peroxide, the fungi, these are brilliant little dudes. Wow. They will mess with you every way they can in order to prevent their death. Uh, I think their morphology changes. I think they will do anything to stay alive. And isn't it ironic when you dig down in the soil, the deeper you go, the more bacteria, more fungus. And once they're on board, all they want is to go home. Once they've defeated you, they dig a six foot hole oh. and put you in it. Wow. Fungus is home. It wins. You don't. Wow. So this, this crazy, you know, fungus is almost sounds like parasites, how mm. like evil parasites are. You know, but go back to that 1953 book I pulled out of USC's library 50 years ago. It said yeast and fungi parasitize man. I thought parasites were worms. But these little guys use us, have access to the DNA. They can change or mutate our DNA. What is cancer? Ooh. Once they breach the cell wall, they can breach the nucleus, and they are powerful mutagens. There are wow. also immunosuppressants. There are also seven of them, carcinogens. It's if you begin to study this deeply, what isn't due to fungus? I mean, it, it's really amazing. I think 
one of the most important things I learned as I studied through the years is it wouldn't be fair to try a new cancer drug on a human being. So you do it on animals, maybe bunnies, maybe rats, et cetera. The way we give laboratory animals cancer is we inject them with an aspergillus mold byproduct, a poison uh, called aflatoxin. So you inject these little dudes, you know, over a year, some PhD does it in the medical school. And uh, lo and behold, after six months or a year, some of them die because it's a potent poison. But some of them take on characteristics of cancer. They grow lumps. They start bleeding. It's really ugly. But now we can test cancer drugs on them. Wait a minute. Doesn't one wife, here comes this guy home, you know, he pours his cocktail. He says, honey, what a day I had. Today, 200 of the mice got cancer. Wouldn't she say, how did you give them cancer? Well, I inject a little of this. Here's an empty bottle. It's called aflatoxin. What's aflatoxin? Let's go online. Hmm. Aflatoxin is a mycotoxin, a poison made by two species of aspergillus mold. You know, the guy was in here cleaning our ducks the other day and ran a little test. And we have aspergillus parasiticus up in our ducting system. Could we be inhaling that? And could that give us lung cancer or an aspergilloma? I'm telling you, Erica, we are missing an incredibly credible science. And by the way, how do we give mice diabetes, aflomycin, or streptozotocin? Two old, old, very toxic antibiotics, mycotoxins, fungus. How do we give uh, study animals Alzheimer's, hypotenic acid, a dangerous mushroom, mycotoxin? We're injecting fungus. And all these animals, it's, it's some fungi are neurotoxic. We knew in 1945, penicillin was neurotoxic. Nothing short of amazing how I, with my low IQ, figured out what a guy with twice my IQ has probably been told in their medical training, you are not here to figure anything out. You are here to write prescriptions. Mm. Kind of my take on that. Wow. Oh, my goodness. This is fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me. I mean, to this day, and it's been 50 years, and these testimonials, you want to cry. I don't ask for them. I do a live show, and people, a television show for 24 years has been a high. It's called Know the Cause. It's all over America. I have hosted it for 24 years. It's my studio. It's my wife and my business. But when people start writing in some of these testimonials, you, can I read you one? Or oh, Please, I would love it. Pam, my mom had triple negative aggressive breast cancer. She did two chemos and we stopped it, Doug, because it almost killed her. We then began to follow your advice, your protocol, which is antifungal. Don't eat this, take these supplements, take this medicine. Cancer was gone within four months. And don't let that shock you. I can't cure cancer. This wasn't cancer. It's like those 27 patients with lung cancer. Cancer was gone in four months. I asked the doctor if we wanted to know uh, what she did to get rid of the cancer. And he said, no, kept seeing him for five years and he was expecting it to come back, but no, it's gone. Praise God. Wow. I get, here's 80 of them sitting here on my desk. I've never asked for one of them. These people with diseases have taken what the American cancer says. No, I don't buy that. Have looked at the diet. The American cancer says American cancer says it's okay for women to drink 60 bottles of wine a year. It's okay for men to drink 70 gallons of beer a year. And yet alcohol 
ethanol is yeah. corn is intimately linked with cancer. And if, why would the American cancer, and by the way, it's American diabetes. Yeah, you can have your wine. It's no, but just a glass. I don't get it. I'm totally lost. I think people will feel their best when they are void of sugars, alcohols, and then they won't need the antibiotics that themselves uh, can cause cancer problems. The risk of breast cancer, prostate cancer, et cetera, go like this as your intake is more and more and more. Did you ever see this book? Uh-uh. Breast Cancer, Hope at Last. The guy in the middle there, Dr. A.V. Costantini with the World Health Organization 40 years ago, became my friend. He wrote this book, and I just want to read you one sentence. Are penicillin and other antibiotics carcinogenic in humans? Certainly physicians would not believe such a risk exists for penicillin, an antibiotic given to billions of humans. However, it is by its very definition a mycotoxin, and mycotoxins cause cancer. Who'd have thought? Doctors don't know this. Doctors don't Uh, know this. No. And, you know, I believe doctors, they go to the medical school, they, they're they in it for the right reasons. They mm-hmm. want to help mm-hmm. people, but it's almost like they're going to school to learn how to medicate people. The far, you know, yes. right. Mm-hmm. Because that's all it seems like nowadays that it's about is just medicating people never and not going to the root cause, which is my passion is, you know, mm-hmm. why did I get the cancer in the first place? What are the contributing factors? And if you can identify what what they are, you can I truly I believe you can heal w- whatever diagnosis it is. But mm. for me, you know, it's cancer. So, and I concur with you. By the way, I have a lot of friends who are doctors and uh, wonderful people who, and you're dead on. Went to medical school. Same with nurses. Went to medical school to help people. Little did they learn, or little do they now know, that by their very education, they kind of became handcuffed. How is it that a guy with twice my IQ at 27, 28 years old can become a physician, and somebody in there told him, you are not here to figure out why that lump in the breast occurred. Yes. You're here to cut it out, medicate it, first pop it, assure that it's going to be liberated through the body. First pop it, then take it out, uh, then start on these drugs and these drugs. You are not here. Don't think your 160 IQ impresses us. You're here to reach in your front right pocket and write a lot of these every day. I hate to say that because these are really good people. But if they don't, haven't we seen the last few years what happens if they don't follow the leader? Exactly. Oh my goodness. Let's pause from this episode because I want to share about my wellness strategy sessions. If you didn't know I offer this, then definitely listen in. I created these sessions because I did not know someone who had the knowledge that I wanted, someone who had been down a similar path as me, and someone who would provide the prayer support that I was looking for when I got diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. Basically, I wanted someone who would help shortcut my journey. So in our sessions, we will take a deep dive into your current wellness plan, your lifestyle, and your protocol. We will develop a vision for optimal health. We will teach you how to stop living in fear and start feeling confident in your journey because fear plays a huge part and not a good part. We will also teach you how to uncover beliefs, blocks, and behaviors that prevent you from living the life that you desire. 
So here's a couple questions to ask yourself. Do you actually believe that emotional healing can help you receive your physical healing? Ask yourself if you struggle to feel confident that you're doing the right things to actually achieve wellness. And do you desire someone in your corner who can encourage, guide, and share their knowledge and experience with you? Well, if you answered yes to any of those questions, then we definitely need to chat. Please inquire at hello at ericamatthews.co. All right, let's get back into the episode. Yeah, and going, you know, a little bit more into the biopsy, I had posted, so I have a Facebook group called Hope and Healing for Cancer, and it's, I'm just, my heart is to empower people to mix faith and mindset um, and, you know, be led of the Holy Spirit, but also you can heal naturally if you go to the root. Now, I have a mix of people that are, you know, doing chemo and all that stuff too, but Mm -hmm. I had posted about, it was an actual research study that about how biopsies spread cancer. And I had people actually saying, oh, that's false information. But what was interesting is that Facebook, you know, how they have the, yeah, yeah, so they, they had said that it was a false statement and I needed to take it down. And it's like, you know, why, why would they say that if it wasn't actually true? I, I really do believe that biopsies spread cancer. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Does the air in a balloon stay there when you poke it with a needle? It defies logic. I, like you, try and be very logical when I look at these things. Here's what we all need to know. I think we've uncovered in the last few years some areas we were all kind of suspicious of. Gee, why do medical journals take money from the pharmaceutical industry and then publish how great their drugs are? Mm. I remember years ago wanting to do a show on television about popping but why is it if you got a lump in your breath, you don't just seven sutures, the lump's gone. Here it is. Wake up. It's gone. You're cancer free. First, you have to pop it. That never, that has defied logic to me for as long as I've been in this field. But it's what they learn in their medical training and their doctors. Okay. So we have to listen to two sides to this story, one of which is in their medical literature. You got to pop that lump. And don't worry, it doesn't cause cancer and metastasize. Hold on. <laughs> it doesn't. What if in that lump are spores? Mm. Spores love the excess heat. They love the water in the body. They will gravitate to other areas. Let's say it's breast. It's really hot here in the lymph nodes. Let's go here and hide. It is much of what I have read in the past 50 years. I put down, sometimes alone, but I have a wife who totally laughs with me, we cannot believe what we're reading. Mm. It defies logic. Mm -hmm. The cancer is due to something. Mm -hmm. And if you pop that something and release whatever it is, that it's going to travel through your body. Are we just very logical people or is the medical field illogical? I don't know. But indeed, you're right. Years ago, I read a paper said, oh, no, no, biopsies. uh, You can poke a hole in a biopsy. It doesn't mean a thing. And you follow where the studies were done, who had links to the pharmaceutical industry. In the old days, they had to disclose conflicts of interest. Today, let's just get the paper published. Get out there so doctors can read it. And I hate to say that because that isn't right. Um, It's really, you know, everybody was accusing Dr. Fauci of of, uh, making money off this. I said on my uh, live uh, podcasts and so forth. 
I don't think so, because the first thing I had to do before I published any, gave these lectures was disclose who I am. Do I have money in a pharmaceutical or a natural food supply company? You know, who do I take money from, et cetera? And I was said, that's impossible because Dr. Fauci is the head of this big organization. He would have to disclose if he had stock in one of these vaccination companies. And I still don't know the answer to that, but that's the way I was raised. But there's two sides to every story, one of which is funded by somebody and the other of which often is extremely logical. Mm. Sometimes when you have cancer, especially if you're a woman, you've got to go with your heart. Men don't have great intuitive, or I don't have great intuitive nature, but women do. So you can sit and read these studies and then you go to the bottom. Oh, I see they're linked to this drug company and this drug company and this drug company. No wonder a biopsy is okay and doesn't spread. What's logical and what's not? Oh, I love that. That's, you know, my actual episode last week was with a woman who listened to the Holy Spirit and her intuition to not do conventional treatment for stage four colorectal cancer. And she's been cancer free for like 12 years. You know, so there's something to be said of that. And I feel like there's so many people that that they they either don't know how to listen to their intuition or they're so bombarded with all these opinions and definitely motivated out of fear and that they just, you know, go against themselves and then they don't get the result that they hope for, unfortunately. You know, and sometimes they die, okay? I mean, here's the rough part. Sometimes they die. But it was their choice. It wasn't somebody hammering you to take your kid's inheritance of $600,000 and put it into an oncology clinic. This is what just drives me nuts. One thing, you know, I could not figure out what I, why I worked clinically for 26 years. I've been on television for 24 years, and I couldn't figure out why. I'll never forget when I started on TV, two um, a president and a vice president of a company sat down with me and said, what are you going to be talking about today, Doug? And I said, fungus. And they said, wow, that's pretty interesting. Okay, what's tomorrow's show? Fungus. You're going to do two days? I hope to do a year of just fungus. You know, that's crazy. Now, let me tell you where the journey has taken me. The Bible has 30 derogatory references to leavening, mildew, yeast, the word COVID, the word flu, the word virus, the word bacteria doesn't exist within the pages. Mm. Don't be like the yeast of the Pharisees. You know, I mean, and yet medical books are kind of void. Vaginal yeast, ringworm, jock itch, mm. okay, tinea or candida. Totally bored. What if it gets in your lungs? What if it grows in your ovary? What if it grows in your brain? Does it look like glioblastoma? Don't touch that. Mm. Go to an oncologist and get on a lot of... I'm deeply concerned at what I see out there. Same. But I want it to be my choice. If I end up with prostate cancer, I don't even know if I have a prostate. I haven't been to a doctor. But <laughs> if I do, and if it swells, and if I'm told it's cancer, you're not going to choose I get to choose. And if I think your $600,000 therapies will allow me to live two months longer, that's something I have to decide with my loved ones. So that's how I come at this. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I truly believe that had I done conventional for stage four ovarian cancer, I, I truly don't believe I'd be alive today. And it's going on, you know, 
Almost. How long ago were you diagnosed? Um, three and a half years ago. Right. Well, you're a year away from breaking the odds. You know? Oh, yeah. Five year survival. Yeah. Yep. And I feel have you like tried? Can I? I mean, yeah. I know you're asking me, but yeah. did you did you ever try itrosporinox? Uh, I know. That's why I wrote that down. Mm. I have not. Yeah. That's something well worth. First, go online and look at it. All it does is kill yeast. And then I type in, you know, your type of cancer and this drug and see if they've had results with it. To be very candid with you, I don't think it cures anything. I think once you have a systemic mycosis, um, it can take you very quickly. It can grow in the carotid artery and occlude blood flow. It can push on the spine as it grows. Fungi grow in a lump. And as this lump reproduces and gets bigger and bigger, oh, it'll push on the sciatic and the other nerves. And you're in such pain, you can't eat, you cry all night. Isn't that cancer? Or you have breakthrough bleeding, something. Isn't that cancer? Well, it's also mycology. We now know, thanks to the Mayo Clinic 24 years ago, that 96% of chronic sinusitis isn't bacterial. It's fungus. And yet today... If you go to all these doctors, you're going on what I call fuel for fungus. It's called an antibiotic. Women who take lots of antibiotics tend to get vaginal yeast infections. And oh, by the by, they now have the one pill vaginal yeast cure, Diflucan, 150 milligrams of Diflucan. Fungus is a horrible, horrible thing in that it mimics every disease, I believe, known to man and worse. The medical community doesn't have any idea. Mm. So what do you think about Diflucan then as an option? I like Diflucan and I'll reference that today. Diflucan, I worked for a dermatologist who wrote a book many years ago. I'm sorry, when I wrote the book many years ago, he read it and he called me in California where I was living. The kids were little and he said, you know, I'm going to take exception. You say that skin problems are gut problems. Their skin, Doug. I'm a board-certified Johns Hopkins dermatologist. Don't tell lies. Well, we kind of became friends, and I invited him out to see what we were doing with some of the psoriasis patients out there. A year later, he's in his office emoting. He could not believe, and yet here, look at this. This is his medical book, 1957, Johns Hopkins University. There's his name. He paid $6.75 for it. And in this book, It says four times cancer and certain fungi cannot be differentiated from one another. Mm. Isn't that just unbelievable? Wow. It's probably another one of my books. But at any rate, uh, that's an old 1957 medical textbook. When he died, he his wife wanted me to have that book. When I showed him that, I remember he used to come in and say, Doug, Linda's so happy. Look at her psoriasis. This is her back now. And here it was a month ago. All she's done is followed your diet. I put her on antifungals, diflucan, and a gut antifungal called nystatin. And he said, now I'm going to blow your mind. I didn't know she had lymphoma. But look at this report from a laboratory, from a pathologist. Her lymphoma is shrinking significantly. Mm. Her tumor markers are better. She's getting better. And he said, do you think this has anything to do with the antifungal treatment we put her on for her psoriasis? And I said, no, I don't think it has anything. I think it has everything yeah. to do with wow. the diet and the antifungals. So it's really, you know, little taps like you get from the Lord, just mm-hmm. over and over, all these testimonials coming at me. 
And I'm just saying, okay, your will be done. You know, I'll I'll be here. I'll be the middle guy, but your will be done. Fungus is a huge deal that isn't being currently recognized in medicine at all. Mm -mm. Now, so does chemo kill the the fungi? It does. Chemo, Chemo is fungicidal. Fungistatin means to stop. Nystatin is a dirt-based drug that should be pennies a bottleful um, that stops fungus from proliferating. I think antibiotics changed all the rules in the 50s. Thank God we could save some lives. But 60 years later, 70 years later, what have we ended up with? The sickest group of adults in the world. Because when we were little, a loving mom took us to a loving pediatrician, and the cycle started of gut good bacteria erasers. That's what antibiotics are. And we started with constipation and the rest is history. Antibiotics, antifungals can be life-saving. We now have so many good things like ginger and, you know, antibiotic supplements. And we have such good antifungals, caprylic acid, apple cider vinegar, neem, uh, caprylic acid. There's uh, omega-3 fatty acid, antifungal probiotics, lactobacillus, antifungal. We just are overjoyed saying, oh, my probiotic has more than yours. Oh yeah, well, my caprylic acid from coconut is bigger than yours. The bottom line is, if it kills or stops fungus, I'm all for it. And many, if not most supplements do. The B vitamins, do you take a B complex every day? You probably want to start, not just because you get energy from B12, but because B3, niacin, folate, et cetera, are antifungal. Isn't it just fascinating? Wow. This field has never let me down. Oh, I believe it. Wow. This is, yeah. Wow. We could go off on so many <laughs> tangents. Well, so I've got some questions from some listeners they uh, sent in. And then I I also want to address like what specifically feeds fungi and what foods. I know we can go to your website, right? Which is knowthecause.com com or dot org no the nope no the cause.com yep. okay and you have just information on there loads there there's a doctor who is such a wonderful friend he's been with me for 20 years and every week we update the science of fungus so just what does science say go to getting started on my website pull down to the end it says doctor's fungal protocol print it off Take it to your doctor. Even the Center for Disease Control is now yelling at doctors, think fungus. It's about time. So mm-hmm. your doctor can see all this and uh, learn from all of this. It's it's all on the website. I wanted to show you this. This is another one I had to give. I had to give these doctors at a lecture in San Diego. Mycotoxins are toxic fungal metabolites, which are structurally diverse. And I underline this. Common contaminates in the ingredients of animal feed and human food. Mm. So says mutation research in 1991. When you're eating grains, gee, I wonder if we have gluten problems in America from eating wheat, or I wonder if that wheat's contaminated with mycotoxins, and that's why everybody thinks they have gluten intolerance. Could just be fungal mycotoxins. It's a huge problem that no one is aware of. Mm, okay. So we'll find all that on your website. On the website, yeah. So what does your diet consist of? Okay, this morning, well, today was kind of a strange day. We were out of grapefruit. Normally I eat grapefruit for breakfast, but I had three carrots and three stalks of celery on my drive to work. I would normally have eggs, uh, turkey bacon I've become addicted to, 
my diet is different from 74-year-old guy's diet. I don't touch alcohol. I don't eat potatoes. I don't eat starches that would feed fungus. I believe there's two kinds of meat. I believe there's the kind you buy in the store. And then there's something called grass-finished meat. Mm. That means during that cow's life, they have never had corn. They haven't eaten hay. They haven't eaten foods that are contaminated with molds. All they've eaten is grass. And I eat uh, grass-fed beef sticks. I love steak. A couple times a week, I'll eat a grass-finished, not grass-fed, grass-finished mm. uh, steak. And I love range-fed chicken. I can eat six hard-boiled eggs a week. It's a little bit different of a diet. But I remember when I was young, I got back in Vietnam, had to start taking dad. Dad had prostate problems. He had a pacemaker. He lost a leg to cancer. Um, and so I had to take he and grandma to the doctor. She had diabetes. And I remember thinking at the age of, you know, 23, 24 years old, man, I don't want to get old like them. <laughs> they were probably 50 or 60 at the time. I don't want to get old like them and have to start going to doctors every week. I don't want to do that. I had been in the operating room for years, you know, I, and so I said, how, how am I going to deal with this? Cause I am going to get old. I am living proof. I don't have a doctor. Don't know if I recommend that if you're brand new at this, but I don't have a doctor. I haven't been to a doctor. My last physical was my exit physical from the military <laughs> in 1972, but I exercise. I'm very cautious with my diet. I take supplements that are immune developing and antifungal. And so far, you know, knock on metal, so far, I feel better than most, you know, 50 year old guys. And I can still play with the grandkids, play horsey, a little Lizzie on my back. I, we have a lot of fun. And I'm living proof, I think, that an antifungal protocol can extend youth a bit. Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, this is this is great. Okay, so let's get to the questions. Mm -hmm. All right, so this question comes from someone who was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer a year ago. The cancer went to her bones. Uh, she did extensive testing with a practitioner, and an organix test shows darbental and tartrate are high. There's so many tests now. I don't even, I'm not able to keep up with them. Um, okay. And let me just tell you what I would do if I were her. Copy well, can paste. I use her question really yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. So her question Thank is you. that um, she's been reading that candida can affect the bones. Have you seen or heard of cases where bone mets are from fungal infections? Mm -hmm. Okay. Matter of fact, I did a report on this some time ago. Okay. The uh, uh, osteoclast bone cells can become impregnated. I think the, I'm pretty sure the yeast was malazia yeast, which is a dermatophyte, a skin fungus, got into the osteoclast. And I did the whole five-minute segment on TV, is osteoporosis or osteopenia linked to fungus? In other words, um, uh, could we take antifungals and have the osteopenia dissipate or reverse osteoporosis? That was proof. And let me back up a bit. Something metastasized right? Because we did x-rays and boy, that cancer is now in your bone. Mm. Really? Fungi disseminate throughout the body. Cancer metastasizes. Mm. And if I could just give her a heads up, let me read you quickly. Similarities between cancer and fungi. Each thrive in a sac formation. Each can metabolize nutrients without oxygen. Each generates a caustic 
compound called lactic acid. Each depends on their host for sustenance, proliferation, and reproduction. Each thrive in the presence of sugar and die in the absence of sugar. Both emit volatile organic compounds that dogs can detect, and both respond to antifungal medicines. I'm glad that she has found a practitioner who is now looking for metabolites, perhaps cancer metabolites in her body. I think cancer is sometimes a fungal metabolite. I would ask that practitioner, especially with breast cancer, if she could get some Spornox, 100 milligrams, maybe a couple times a day uh, for a month and go on a real restrictive diet. If I had advanced cancer, stage three dash four, I'd probably, candidly, I thought about this a lot. I'd probably put myself on a carnivore diet where you eat what swims, walks on earth or flies and or their eggs. So basically it's a, a no carbohydrate diet for a few weeks. Um, or the ketogenic diet, uh, which has maybe 5 to 7% carbs, um, and see if, in fact, real dietary restriction of all sugars and antifungal drugs didn't have a big smile on her face in 30 days. Mm, love that. What do you think about dairy, like organic dairy? Once again, it's not... Uh, organic dairy means the cows eat, you know, non-tainted soil. They don't spray it with pesticides and so forth. It's what, when that cow is a baby, they hooked on its ear. There is a drug called Xeranol. It's a growth enhancer. It's a hormone. It's an estrogenic mimicking, a human estrogenic mimicking hormone that the European Union said decades ago, we're not touching it. We're worried about it. Cell lines, breast cancer cell lines and so forth. That has become our meat supply in America. Now, when you're eating grass finished, no antibiotics being mycotoxins, the cows don't eat antibiotics. They don't hook those things on their ear and ooze this hormone that's estrogenic. By the way, your audience can study this more by going to bcpp.org, Breast Cancer Partnership, bcpp.org, and type in Xeranol, Z-E-R-A-N-O-L. This is synthetic mycotoxins that we're now giving to cattle. And if I could take a stand here, the FDA says it's absolutely fine. It doesn't cause any problems. And I have no right to argue with that. I need you to know both sides of the story. The FDA says no problems with us eating meat. And yet every article I read in my medical journal said meat's killing people. It's not the meat. The prodigal son, when he came home, dad stepped off the porch and hugged him. Then what did dad order? Slaying of the fatted calf. Mm. And they ate that meat and didn't have breast cancer. Mm. They didn't die of atherosclerosis. Meat isn't bad. It's what I think we are doing in America and Canada to our meat supply that I'm concerned about. So when it yeah. comes to dairy... Dairy is a mucus thickener anyway. Um, oh, I'll have a yogurt like anybody else from time to time. Goat milk yogurt, you know, Redwood Hill. I love that. But dairy is something I'm I'm cautious of and certainly the meat also. Mm -hmm. So good. Okay. All right. Can I read a couple more questions? Please. Okay. So what is the best test to do when there is mold? I think this uh, person is talking about in her home. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or but maybe we can talk about both the okay. body as well. 
Sure. So the home. This is fascinating. In America, you cannot be a mold tester and a mold treater. Because every mold tester who had a chip on his shoulder would find mold in every home. Because, in fact, mold is ubiquitous. It's on your and my you know, eyelashes. It's on our pillow. It's all over the place. Mold is ubiquitous. Wow. So mold testers will bring a little uh, rubber inhaler device. <laughs> and they take samples from the bedroom, the bathroom, uh, et cetera. They go back to the lab, grow it out on a Petri dish. They can only grow out a mold, a purple fuzz, a, purple, a brown fuzz or a gray fuzz or a green fuzz. Then they'll isolate it and say, oh, boy, you've got fusarium growing in that back bedroom. Um, so that's how you do it in a home. There are also devices that you can put in the home. I like photocatalysis devices that emit negative ions and trap bacteria, pollen, mold, which are positively charged ions, magnetically uh, do that. So that's two choices. If you're sick, you're wondering if your house is making you sick, then either get it tested or put a device in your home to remediate the air. In the body, there are blood tests. These are anti-antibody blood tests that can be drawn to see if you have now not only mold, but some of these mycotoxins like aflatoxin that causes human cancer. Um, so there are laboratories, real-time lab here in Dallas does it. Most states have big mycology testing labs that can do that. If you have pus coming out of somewhere and you suspect, you know, that it's cancer or mold, um, the doctor can take a culture, put it on a dish, send it off to a laboratory. And in a week or two, you'll have results back that, gee, we thought this was bacterial or maybe some strange virus. But in fact, you're growing out you know, aspergillus mold. Let's treat it with sporinox or one of these antifungals. Mm. Okay, that's good. So how do you find a qualified inspector and what are the procedures for removal of mold if it's found in a home? First of all, because they've broken it up into a mold detector and a mold remediator, that's really good. Most mold testers are very decent, honest companies. I've dealt with six or seven of them. I've never found a bad one. Mm -hmm. Get someone else, get someone in your home, a couple hundred bucks, have them test, and then get you the laboratory test results back. Every home has mold in it. People say, well, I live in a brand new home. It's not an antique home. Yeah, but when they were building it, did they lay the cement, put all the wood up, and it poured rain on the wood and the cement. Then they locked in with, you know, the wallboard and so forth. Wood has a type of sugar called cellulose that fungus love. Mm. So if that wood is now harboring mold in it, the home can be old, it can be new. Most of the time, Erica, I, I used to tell people that I worked with in California, Leave your home if you suspect your mold is causing your asthma or your health problems. Go up high, Big Bear Mountain, Mammoth Mountain. Go up high, rent. Today we have Airbnbs, but rent a cabin and uh, stay there for a week. And we had people call the doctor's office. This is before cell phones, but call Howard Gottschalk, the doctor I worked for in California. And they would be crying on the phone. I've been here four days. I have no asthma. I can breathe. I'm uh, sleeping at night. And Doug said I shouldn't drink wine, but last night I had a glass and I feel like a million bucks. It wasn't the wine. Mm. It was the home. It wasn't even their lungs. Wow. Then we'd always instruct them, do us a favor, check out of there. You passed your test, go home. Literally within a day, they'd call us. <laughs> I'm back in my home. No mm -hmm. kidding. Your home has to be remediated. Mm -hmm. That means often wallboard comes out, the roof needs to be fixed, 
And I tell people when they go out and look for a home uh, to always talk to the realtor about a mold test done in that home before you buy it. It's that important Oh yeah, uh, to well, get that good. done. So remediation can cause a few thousand bucks or it could, just read Leviticus, what is it, 1433. The Lord tells Moses and Aaron, when you enter the land of Canaan, I'm giving you as your possession. If I put a spreading mildew in a house in that land, you got to go call Aaron and his brother, Moses. They go out and check and say, yeah, sure enough, gray fuzz is growing on the home. You have to leave the home. And if in a few weeks that isn't cleared, you have to take the house apart. Mm. Clothing goes with it. I mean, it's sad when you see some of these cases, but people are willing to do that because they're so sick from inhaling mold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have a friend who actually lives in a house that has mold and she's also dealing with breast cancer. And I remember hearing from my doctor a long time ago, she would always tell me, you can't heal in the same environment that got you sick. So I've, I've been encouraging her to, you know, get out of that house as much as possible or, or just move, you know? And I, I think she's even expressed to me, uh, if I remember correctly, that she feels better when she's not in that space, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, well. it, it grows, mold grows in lumps. It protects itself from what we call phagocytosis, the white blood cells gobbling it up and digesting it. These phagocytes have powerful digestive enzymes so they can eat. Uh, debris in your body. Mold is one of them. And they digest it. Um, I've got to tell you, that just doesn't happen when you're inhaling mold all the time. You don't have enough white blood cells to gobble up all the mold. So that's really good. Today we have Airbnbs. A lot of times I've told people, can you afford to get out of your house, lock it up, and go to an Airbnb for a month? A couple yeah. thousand bucks. Why? Because I suspect, and go up high, you know, if you can go up in the mountains and if it's snowing, even better. Um, it, it, mold doesn't like it way up there. So see if you can get a cabin and see if you don't feel, usually on day three or four, but certainly by day 14 to 30, like a million bucks. Mm. Then that gives you an indication that you've got mold. Now, is that contributing to a lump that's formed in your breast? That would be a biopsy. And I would ask the doctor, I wouldn't, but... Um, most people would ask the doctor for a biopsy, but I'd split the biopsy. I'd send half of it to the cancer laboratory and half of it to a laboratory that can tell mold and mycotoxin testing. Mm. Uh, the cancer lab will probably say, yeah, that's breast cancer. And then comes back, well, you've got aspergillus mold, the kind that makes a poison that now we know causes human hepatocellular cancer and maybe breast cancer. So mm -hmm. that's very important that people get tested and by the way, if you had a biopsy done on your prostate or your earlobe or your breast 14 years ago, it's still in paraffin at the laboratory that did the original testing. Until you die, mm. it's still there. So you can call that hospital, have them send it out to a lab that does mold testing. So many people, Erica, just oh. their mouths when they get that result. Well, but that must have been cancer, right? I don't know. It certainly had mold in it also. So I don't know. Uh, if that was me and I found that out 14 years ago and I had a sweat in a far or near infrared sauna, I would detox. I'd be on psyllium, you know, full time. Psyllium is a non-digestible fiber that you shake up in a jar and drink before you go to bed at night. And it absorbs these mycotoxins in the gut that can grow because of antibiotic intake. And so I think that, and it encourages regularity. And many people with disease aren't aren't regular. 
uh, so psyllium and and uh, you know a lot of these supplements have powerful anti-SEACT. I love Renee Case and and her oh, yeah. work. Yes. Um, so there are just a lot of uh, people I've been able I've been fortunate enough, you know, through the grace of God to help. Not my brilliance, but through the grace of God. Mm. Wow, Doug, I am so thankful for just mm. you blessed us with this amazing information. And I know, you know, I know some of my listeners and I know they are going to like gravitate to this information and go to your website and I could just see them implementing and uh, you'll get more testimonies yeah. I know that I need to, I really need to go on this way of eating. I've, to be honest, gotten a little, you know, I do yeah. low carb, but yeah with cancer, you can't just be casual. You know what I'm saying? I, if I were you, you have tumor markers, you know, the doctor yeah. can draw and say, wow, this is really getting better. Be it CA199 or any of these. I do it for a month to be candid with you. Mm -hmm. I do it for a month, really restrict the diet, get on Spornox and then get the tumor markers drawn. Yeah. And I think we're both going to high five each other right over the Wi-Fi. You know, it's going to be yeah. just so excellent what you learn. But good for you at three and a half years that you've done this on your own. Oh, yeah. Uh, if I can help in any way, you've got my cell number. Yeah. Thank you so much, Doug. Well, and real quickly, I want to just tell the audience. So how I learned about you is when I was, um, have you ever heard of Dr. Keneally? Oh, Lee Erin Keneally's friend yeah. of mine. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she was, she was, you know, she helped play a part in saving my life. We worked on my immune system you know, went after the the root of the cancer, but never, you know, actually God told me to stop my treatment with her before mm -hmm. I had a clear scan. And so I was like, okay, God, anyways, but while right. I was there, I got this book and it's called healed, healthy, and whole by Marion M. Pyle, how we beat cancer with integrative therapies and essential healing strategies. Now they spoke my language because they a lot of their story is similar to mine, just, you know, calling on prayer warriors and, you know, going to the root of the cancer. And um, that's how I heard about you in this book. It says that we started implementing Doug Kaufman's uh, diet and uh, saw results quickly. I can't find hmm. the, the place in the book, but I was like, oh my gosh, Doug Kaufman, who is this? <laughs> and then I researched you on YouTube and I was like, okay, I like this guy wow. a lot. And so that's, I didn't even think that I'd be having you on my show, but I'm so grateful for you and your work. Oh, the honor was mine. This is wonderful what you're doing. Thank you for your heart, for helping so many people. I, mm -hmm. I try and do the same thing. And there's a special place in heaven, I think, for people like you who not only are learning, but disseminating that knowledge to so many others. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so you much. Bet. Thank you for listening to the show. My prayer is that the podcast encouraged you and filled you with hope. If you loved what you heard today and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post it on social media, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To catch the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at It's Erica Matthews and join my Hope and Healing for Cancer Facebook group. Remember this, anything worth having takes work. See you next week for a new episode.